Hello and welcome to the Best Band I Ever Played With podcast. This is a show about people who play live music, not necessarily people who are famous from doing it, and not always people who do it as their main job. This is about people who play week in, week out in pubs, small venues, occasionally people's basements, wherever they can to whoever will listen, and normally for a small amount of money and some warm cans of Red Stripe, if they're lucky. Normally that would be me, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic that has stopped basically everything in the world, um, a lot of my gigs have been cancelled. So I thought it'd be nice to talk to some people who have been playing live music over the last couple of years in a variety of different places and see what they've learned along the way, what fun experiences they've had and ultimately who the best band they ever played with was. My guest for this episode is probably best known for fronting the band Pilgrims, a jangle pop, slightly post-punk four-piece assembled at university in Huddersfield and disbanding not too long after. He's actually not played a lot of live music since, but he was and remains a passionate advocate for underground music in his area. In our chat, we talk about how him and his housemates tried to single-handedly stimulate a Huddersfield underground music scene in their basement, why Hull is probably the centre of UK post-punk, and who the best band he ever played with was. More from me at the end, but for now, enjoy this conversation with Matthew Hoyk. Um, when was the last time you played a gig? Uh, the last time I played a gig was 2017. Last ever gig with Pilgrims, my old band. I think it, I think it was at Otso in Huddersfield, our last ever show. But was it wasn't wasn't the best show. I think I, I like I like to think of it as a playing Humber Street session 2017 is our last proper gig. That was great. So the last one you played with Pilgrims, did you all know that it was the last Pilgrims show? At that point, yeah, we did. It, it, it was a bit sad. It was a bit sad, but all good things have to come to an end, I believe. All heading in different directions. It, it happens. It happens. It happens. I it mean, happens. just people's lives change, don't they? People move. They do. It was sort of sad because we just sort of like really started to nail like our sound in the past, sort of, in the, like the last six months of the band. They're sort of like on the edge of the sort of proto shoegaze, sort of Jesus and Mary Chainish sort of sound, and obviously a bigger wedding present influence in there as well and it would just sort of start to nail it and then like we just all came to an end which is a bit sad but you know it happens it happens it's all part part, part of the journey so pilgrims was you it was foz who you knew from back in hull aye aye it was charlie who you met in huddersfield and yeah, that's correct. mars who you also met in huddersfield yeah, yeah, those two are... Charlie's from Andover, uh, down south, and uh, Mars was from Thetford, near Norwich. So, you know, all four corners of the UK. <laughs> you guys recorded a couple of songs um, here and there. Some of them pretty good, and some of them in my regular rotation, I've got to say. Especially that last EP Wonderful. you did. Great stuff on there. And I think the people who knew Pilgrims uh, think back on Pilgrims fondly. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was, never, yeah, we, we were fun. We were fun. I'd say that much. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, the last EP's got some good moments on it. Uh, the title track in particular, Smile, the 11, 11 minute three chord magnum opus, <laughs> was, was was great fun to record. Uh, did did it live in the studio in uh, Norwich, 
um, I can't remember. It's closed down all the studio. Jason, the guy who recorded it, has a new studio now, but it was in an old nuclear bunker recorded on analog tape live. It was, oh, it was amazing. It sounded amazing. It sounded amazing. <laughs> I'm still so proud of that. Yeah, I mean, that studio looked like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Jay- Jason's a genius as well. He's just this crazy guy with a, with a, like I said, with an old nuclear bunker just full of vintage uh, recording equipment. Like, he heard me sing once, and it was like, right, we're using this 40s preamp and this 50s compressor. I was like, all right, mate. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And yeah, he nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And the, the rest of the EP was recorded with Matt Peel at the Nave in uh, in Leeds, which is a much more of a high-fidelity modern studio, but also, mate, just amazing stuff. And he's got lots of nice vintage equipment, like old Roland Space Echoes and stuff like that, which were very fun to play with. Very fun. Um, so we've, we mentioned the last gig that Pilgrims played. Uh, do you remember the first gig Pilgrims played? Um, <laughs> um, I mean, we, we, we started as like, in our like performance class at uni originally we originally had a Lithuanian guy called Avaldes on piano instead of Charlie on guitar I think the first song we ever played was a cover of um, Echo and the Bunnymen um, The Killing Moon <laughs> so you know bit, bit, bit of a journey from there but um, yeah yeah it was, um, I'm trying to think of the first actual gig we'll have played it was probably it was probably at the parish in Huddersfield most likely um can't actually remember though yeah i'm, I'm gonna say it was in the parish in huddersfield <laughs> pl- 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 played there quite a lot it's a it's a good venue of when you're a band in huddersfield to, to get your first few gigs at especially so i was just yeah um i was just about to ask about like what the scenes like in huddersfield um and then it pops into my because my dad's from huddersfield um so oh yeah i remember you saying yeah, yeah. um and i've still got family who live there i remember my dad. Telling, he's told me about three or four times that the Sex Pistols played some notable gig in Huddersfield once. Um, yeah, I mean, H- Huddersfield's got quite an interesting musical history because um, it's, cause it's uh, tradi- traditionally had a really big uh, Afro-Caribbean population. It was actually like the uh, the UK capital of reggae at one point, apparently. So, like, your big reggae stars from Jamaica, like Desmond Decker, etc., they'd come they'd come to the UK and they'd play London and Huddersfield. <laughs> Which is class. It's, it's got it's, it's got a big 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 history of like uh, sound systems and stuff like that. There's uh, I think it's Axis Sound System. Yeah, yeah, I've been been there a few nights. It's one of the the old school ones that's still going. Uh, guy runs that. Missed um, Paul Axis. Yeah, he, he, he's a genius. He um, still got this massive, beautiful, like homemade, huge sound system he, he built himself and like just does it all old. Like he DJ's all old school. Like. No mixing, really. He just finishes a song, turns on the, the the delay, just speaks into the mic for a little bit while he changes the record over, and back on. Few few bars, and then bang, sub bass switch. And like first first time I went, it was in the older Victorian arcade there, and it just rattles, just just rattles the, the whole building. It's incredible. There's nothing quite like it. I, I used to be really into reggae at one point, so yeah, great fun. Um, but yeah, I mean. Our local Spoons was apparently quite a good venue as well at one point, when it, obviously before it was a Spoons. I think uh, that might have been where the Sex Pistols played. I think uh, Joy Division played there as well, which is quite interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a funny place, Huddersfield, because if, if you go there these days, it's just sort of, it seems like quite a normal northern town, really. But I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just a uni town. But it's slightly under the surface, you know. There's quite interesting history, basically, everywhere everywhere around um 
yeah, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed with it, really. But, like, my initial thoughts going there, was just, oh, it's right in between Leeds and Manchester. Wonderful. That should be great for music. <laughs> and, you know, I guess we tried to make it great for music. Yeah, you did. Um, you really did. Because, of course, one of the first interactions I had with the the world the pilgrims inhabited was when I came up with my band Rays uh, to play a gig in your basement. And when I tell people that we played a gig in a basement in the Huddersfield, I feel the need to emphasise the fact that when I say basement, I don't mean like like downstairs in a pub or like a venue that was in a basement. But we played in in a basement that was in someone's house. And that was that was your house. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, it, was a, it was a big old basement, to be fair. It's pretty much the reason we got the house. You know, it's classic second year of uni, eight lads living together. Great idea at first. Everyone hates it by the end. But yeah, we, we did some great things with the basement uh, for, from the gig. So we always used to, also used to put on techno raves in there, which is quite good fun. Uh, but yeah, that, it, like when you say base, like you say when you say basement gig, you sort of get you know some pretty naff ideas. But the way we had everything set up with the sound system and stuff, it, it was great. I had some crazy nights in there. Crazy nights. Uh, I had Avalanche Party play a couple of times. We're doing really well now. And it, it, we just tried to sort of be a bit of a, a stepping stone for bands we knew as well. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's great fun. Great fun. Yeah, and you, you would do it semi-frequently, wouldn't you? So what? You, how many gigs did you put on in that basement in that year? I think... I can't remember how many exactly. Uh, but we... Uh, yeah, we... I think we, we put one on at least every two months. At one point, probably one every month as well. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, oh, it was brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. Um, I've I've played in plenty of places with actual hired sound guys and actual like someone commercially advertising this place as a music venue, um, and it sound didn't even sound like a third as good as it sounded in your student house basement in Huddersfield. Um, so just talk me through the the level of attention that you gave to that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, full, credit, full credit to Charlie Robinson, really. He's, he's the one who uh, made all the magic happen. Um, his, his dad owns a guitar shop uh, down in Andover, and he just had a lockup, and he just had a load of old amps and speakers I didn't really use anymore. And Charlie just said to him, could I borrow these on a long-term basis? And I said, yeah, no problem. So when Charlie moved up, his dad brought a van and uh, brought up. Uh, there's like a good five or six big speakers that we used for both uh, sort of from the front uh, speakers and, and as onstage monitors. And uh, every time we put a gig on, Charlie used to spend the entire day setting it up. So it was perfect. And it, it was wonderful. Like, like you said, like I've played, I've played actual venues with much worse sound than what, what Charlie was setting up for us in there. Yeah, um, so I think that was a big advantage we have over, the, over other people who put on basement shows. Like, we really did have the equipment for it. <laughs> it got really loud in that basement. Um, and you, did you? how did that go down with the neighbours? I remember walking up to the house and seeing a sign for, I think it was like the Huddersfield Deaf Institute around the corner. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they, I'm, they weren't I'm, complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I remember, I remember thinking, that was, that's pretty pretty apt um <laughs> but yeah like how how did you get away with it really um i mean we we, uh, we did put in quite a lot of effort into soundproofing the basement um you know 
do like when's a charity shops bottlers of all duvets and like wall hangings and like anything that you could use a soundproof uh, the old egg, egg box trick works as well um but yeah mattresses as well if, if it's, it's a door or something that doesn't get used at all mattress and duvet over it um Otherwise, I generally, even if it's a door we are using, we'll just have like a, a duvet that would like roll up and like just use as a door, just because they do just absorb sound so well. And uh, yeah, we, we, I don't think we ever did get any noise complaints about the actual gigs we put on. I mean, some some of the some of the raves that went on to like six in the morning, we had a few complaints, angry neighbours knock on the door seven a.m. the next day, which wasn't really prepared for. But um, as far as gigs go, yeah, we we, we did really well uh, sound wise. Yeah. talk about postpartum a bit there and you do a bit of stuff with bleak house who uh generally promote post-punk punky shows here and there uh in the leeds area that is correct um, and your sort of your origins lie uh in hull uh slash the surrounding area of hull um and there's i mean there's a fair bit of post-punk happening out of hull um what what is it about Hull? What is it about? It's a it's a great question. Um, I mean, personally, I, I just sort of discovered. I got into post punk myself um, just by being depressed and seventeen and discovering Joy Division and being like, "Whoa, this is real music," uh, which genuinely genuinely is cringy as it sounds was quite life changing for me. Um, and then when I, when I went to college in Hull, and I, um, you know, is is a term you heard about and I, I particularly with my band the Magdalens wanted to be a post punk band. Uh but and that's sort of that's sort of grown. I I think it just it's it's a music that suits Hull. Hull's quite a forgotten city up in the north of England. But it's got it's got a great culture. It's got a great musical culture. Uh the music scene sort of I guess like I say, because Hull's quite forgotten, it's quite it's quite a hard music scene to get out of, but um to break out of. But the, the scene itself's great. Everyone, everyone goes to gigs. There's, it's, 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 it's very much like a big family. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Why Hull and post punk? It, it just fits. I think it just fits. Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely does fit. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about every time I've been up to Hull, but it has always, it has always been quite post punk weather. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, the scenery definitely helps. The sort of post industrial sort of scenery um obviously whole sort of just economically been on a decline since the since the fishing industry sort of ended in the in the 60s um yeah it's just it's just a very post-punk place i think (laughs) yeah i mean there is there is something about it being slightly cut off as well isn't it just because um like when you approach it by train i remember taking the train once to hull and it was snowing, and just looking. I just remember looking outside and just thinking, like, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing here. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Hull emerges. Um, I mean, it's it's a special place. Yeah, um, it definitely is. It's the 
It's the only city in East Yorkshire, um, you know, which is a pretty pretty boring part of the world. Not gonna lie, from there myself. Uh, great place to be from. Uh, not a great place to stay, I'd say. East Yorkshire is. Hull's, Hull's got a bit more going for it than the the, the surrounding area. But um, yeah, it is, it is a cut off city, and I think that does work for it in some aspects, and obviously doesn't in others. It's uh, like you, you said, getting the train, like. You know, Hull's Hull's not a great place to be, to even to get to other places by train. Like Moulton, where my parents live now, it's just a shitty little market town, just like sort of in between, more near the York end between Hull and York, uh, just just uh, on the north side of the East Yorkshire, North Yorkshire border, is better connected by train than Hull is, just because it's next to York. It, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And there's a lot of things that people don't realise about Hull. Um, but I think one of the things that people should realise is that there's quite a quite a good little scene that's developed. Lots of uh, good local bands, um, places where local bands can play. Um, and uh, about once a year, uh, under normal cir- non-pandemic circumstances, my Facebook will pop up with uh, lots of updates from something called the Humber Street Sesh. Um, uh, can you tell me more about the Humber Street Sesh and then the Sesh behind it. Um. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with the Sesh actually. Uh, the Sesh is a is a regular music night. Uh, for in recent years, it's been held at the at the Polar Bear, uh, which is a great great little venue. Um, and yeah, it runs every Tuesday night. It's sort of like it's very much a hub of the whole music scene. Like everyone goes to the Sesh. And it's great if you're a starting band, you know, you've played a couple of gigs. One of the guys from the Sesh stage, you say, oh, do you want to come play for Sesh? You'll get like a starter slot there. I think they have three or four slots a night. Um, and it's 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 a great, it's a great commu- whole sort of music community thing. Um, we, you know, they bring in some bands from further afield to headline, etc. cetera. Um, especially like around Yorkshire. But uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good place to get on, especially as a, as a as a place to get recognised as a band, it, you, you want to be playing Sesh, and then uh, the Sesh did very well. And the, the um, I can't remember what year they actually started Humber Street Sesh, but Humber Street Sesh is a what? Well, now it's a multiple. I think it's over two days now. It always used to be one day. It's a musical festival they hold in. Um, I think it's in August. Yeah, I think it is in August um, around the Humber Street area of uh, of Hull. And that that's really developed into quite a big thing now. Started off again very, with very much local artists, um, but now they do, do bring bring in some uh, bigger artists from further afield, which is great. And yeah, it's it's a great day, great day, uh, very very successful, and also just, it's a great event to play, and it's quite an easy event to get on if you if you're doing the right thing as a band around the whole area, and the, and, and the Yorkshire area in general. Yeah, like just brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean every time I have a look at the photos and whatever that pop up um, from the street session, uh, other sesh related um, events. I mean, it just, it, it seems great. It seems like there's, you know, it's something that's properly set up and uh, something where people show up to watch. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it un, I think un, it's one thing it's got over the other, other like local music festivals is a, a lot of people do go like a lot of people who might not necessarily go to gigs and stuff normally do go. And that, that that's a, that's, that's a real strength for it. It's a, it's a real big part of whole culture. You know, in our street sash. It's great. I mean, it's just, it just seems like such a great opportunity if you're uh, a small band um, 
just to get get out and play in front in front of people who aren't like your friends you know because um, especially if you know, when you're just starting out and it's just you know texting all your friends on the day of and like oh we're playing a gig <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like three pounds on the door um the sessions website has got quite a nice uh artist page where it lists uh all of the people who've played at the sesh and you know there's it varies a lot there's i mean there's obviously you see pilgrims and your uh, previous band the magdalens in there um there's also a couple of names that pop out that you know people who've gone on to actually do some fairly fairly good stuff um you know people like uh, like willie j healy who's just put out quite a good album um um but yeah i mean you know all, all of your your hotel luxes your yeah yeah they're doing great phobophobes is uh you know so i mean would you say that that's like a really important experience for a band starting out to have and they just get on a lineup with people coming to see them uh, yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of bands get on, um, they play session, they get given a session, and that's sort of their introduction to Hull as well, for the bands from further afield, and that's when they sort of realise Hull's actually got a great place to be playing music, like, it's got, it's got a great music community, which is which is really nice. And it's just like, it's recognition as well, you're saying at Humber Street Sesh, like, you get people who wouldn't normally go to gigs, I think a career highlight for me was um, Burnsy, the uh, commentator from BBC Radio Humberside, who I've been listening to every Saturday afternoon since I was about four, uh, <laughs> gave, gave Pilgrims a tweet because when he watched our set, and I, I saw I saw him at a Hull City game a couple of weeks weeks after and thanked him, which was which was nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just wonderful. Just it just let, lets people connect with local music that might not necessarily do so, which I think is a very important thing to do. As you know, in in, in other cities, like you know. Um, just low level gigs just don't get any attention I remember when I moved to Manchester I was very disappointed with how few people really attend small gigs like like pitiful amount of people attend small gigs when I was living in Manchester I mean, I've heard that's changed but you know it's a very different culture to Hull as well so Um, who was the best band that you have ever played with? The best band that I've ever played with were a band from Hull who are now defunct called Oedipus the King. They're a post-rock band and like, I think they, they never really made it. I think they had less than 400 likes on Facebook, which was, it, it's just it's just a crime, mate. They were incredible, this band. Like, everyone else you meet who's played with them will tell you the same thing as well. I've, always, I've made it a mission of mine to, if I ever, you know, make it as such to try and spread the message of Oedipus the King because wow they were they were just something else absolutely incredible musicianship uh lyrics were something else um and just the live performances were just just blew you away every single time I'd highly recommend anyone to listen to them they've got two EPs out um 
won in 2012. I'll just... Uh, f- I always forget the 2012 EP's name because I'm a bad fan. <laughs> yeah, they got an uh, EP called Colossus in 2012 and another EP in 2014 called Budapest. And, like, just incredible. I will highly recommend anyone to listen to them. Like, especially if you, like... I call them a post-rock band, but there's just elements of everything else in there as well. Uh, I think anyone who likes Radiohead will really, really like Oedipus the King. Uh, especially the, the title track, but Budapest, for me, is my favourite uh, It's my favorite track, which I highly recommend. Yeah. I had listened to both those EPs uh, this morning in preparation for this. And, I mean, oh my God. Uh, yeah, what a great, what a great couple of EPs. Um, such high quality um, all across the board. If, if 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 you like some of the early Modest Mouse stuff, you'd absolutely love this. I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's fun, absolutely great. And uh, listening to it, I just thought like I'd love to see these guys. Yeah, it's unfortunately it's just sort of a classic whole music scene story of like incredible band, but just never really broke out a hull never really got out of there and that's it and it's really really sad I, mean, I think a couple of them are in other bands now but just Oedipus was something else something else oh mate I mean just the sound it's just the singing yeah like you say the lyrics really good um, yeah the, the sounds the soundscapes I'd say like it's it's produ- it's produced like really well I can't, I can't remember who produced it but uh, yeah like the soundscapes and stuff just wow like, like some of the playing stuff's a bit shreddy for what would be my taste usually, but like it just works. It just really, really fucking works. <laughs> like it's unreal. So, how did that translate live? They used to, they used like, to do some. I mean, they, they were always very loud live, which is great. Uh, they used to do some pretty crazy stuff. Danny, the singer, used to uh, shout through a megaphone for some of their songs. Uh, they used to do uh, some audio visual stuff as well. They had like projections of like weird moving projections of arty sort of stuff on like on a screen behind them while they played it, it, was, it was a proper experience seeing them live like it was always an honor honor to play with them i played with them a few times with the Magdalens, and i think we played with them once at the start of pilgrims and then they broke up i think which is really sad but yeah get back together guys if you hear this please <laughs> i mean the, the audio visual stuff i mean to be doing that at that kind of level i mean that that shows a, a real Real creativity, I think. You know, really, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it was just great showmanship. I think that, that that was a big part of their performance. Because you can, you'd ex- you expect that kind of thing from your bigger acts, um, you know, who are now trying to show a more artistic side to them. But I think to be doing it um, at under four hundred Facebook likes, <laughs> uh, you know, that just shows that you probably screwed on as yeah, an artist, which is horrible. It's it's horrible that we rate them by that now. <laughs> so we react by Facebook likes. But um, it says it all really, doesn't it? Like, they, they were incredible. I, I wish you could have seen them, Billy. Like, I think you'd have loved them. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matthew Hoyk. If you want to check out his band, Pilgrims, I've put a couple of links in the description. Um, If you want a recommendation of where to start, the track Smile is my personal favourite. It is excellent, and I hope everyone can listen to it. Um, I also, again, cannot highly recommend Hoik's choice for the best band he ever played with highly enough. 
Uh, I'm also putting some links in the description for Oedipus the King. Um, this podcast was recorded by me, Billy Pratt. Uh, I also did the music that you're hearing. Um, the cover art is by Isaac Gray. If you liked it, please give it a like, leave a comment. Why not? Um, share it with a friend. Um, you know, not really sure why these things help, but you hear them at the end of every podcast. So uh, until next time, um, have a lovely day.